Ah, oh, Luke, it's just the, mm-hmm. uh, it's there's a lot of background noise over on your end. You're, oh, you're making a real racket right now. A lot of yeah, man, yeah, all this bouncing around. Sorry about this, dude. Here, let me just move this. If I can get this over here, I think that'll be okay. And I can move my tennis balls right over to here. My yeah, my cat gut racket. Let me see this one. My dad gave me this. It's cat gut, but uh, it's titanium frame. Yes, a little but bit it old uses and new. It's, it's strong with the with the intestines of a cat. Well, actually, it's just a term for yeah, the intestines of a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Evan, why why like, you? Whoa, hey now. It's called a cat gut racket because it's made with a cat's guts. Yeah, I feel like you're you're saying it as if it's artificial, dude. But I'm legit. I'm organic. Everything organic is is by de- definition good and wholesome. And cat gut. Not everything that is cat gut is organic, but everything that is organic is cat gut. <laughs> Don't you mean the other way around? I'm pretty sure I know what I'm saying. Speaking of things that we know what we're saying... Uh, this is Scooby Dudes. This is a podcast. A podcast where we talk about our favorite meddling kids. And also their dumb dog. The dumb dog's name is Scooby Doo. That's where Scooby Dudes comes from. We're here today to talk to you about a special episode from the Scooby Doo Show. Uh, and that episode is The Warlock of Wimbledon. 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 We say Wimbledon and Wimbledon in this episode a little bit because I'm not confident with my sports pronunciations. But uh, we're, we're asking you to join us courtside for this very lovely episode, Warlock of Wimbledon, Season 3, Episode 15, The Scooby-Doo Show. Please feel free to clap politely in between bits. Yeah, feel free to slurp hot dogs into whatever bodily orifice you prefer. Please enjoy our theme song. Enjoy. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. We're in. Yes, we are. We are deep in it. Deep inside. Uh, and and just to st- just to start with, what is a sport? What what is what is sport? I is sport. Okay, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. For the purpose of this bit, I now need to send you the response that you need to say back to me. God. <laughs> I guess this is how comedy works. Please send me my this, line for this improvised bit. <laughs> Look, we don't do a lot of pre-written bits, but this is so. Let's sorry. Let's start from the top. Do you have it? Do you see it in the chat? I see it in the chat. Yeah, give me the line. All right, line so, me. Let's, let's start from the top. Uh, so I have a question. Oh, mm-hmm. what is what is sport? A sport? Well, well, I think I would be a good one if I put a stop to the bit you're about to do right now on a form of competitive <laughs> physical activity that many people find valuable and beneficial to their own personal lives. As just because it is not something that you personally relate to does not, in fact, lessen its worth. Wow, you really told me. I really did. Yeah. So. So take that, Evan. Take that very well-delivered paragraph of dialogue from me <laughs> that I just just thought of off the top of my head. Those are my words. Yeah, you you did a you did a great job. Honestly, I hate, so sorry. I think we, we should have said this in the intro. We're doing um we're doing an episode of uh the Scooby Doo show, partially prepackaged as um Scooby Doo Where Are You? And it's called uh the Warlock of Wimbledon. Wimbledon, of course, is the biggest tennis tournament every year around the world. Uh, so that's the sport that Evan is referring to. And 
honestly, like, this is just going to be a very, very, very quick diversion. That's, like, my least favorite, like, internet thing is people who don't like sports. Oh, people who are like, sports are dumb. Like, it doesn't even matter who wins or loses. Yeah, like, oh, you know, I was watching a ball ball game the other day, and they, my team scored more points than the other team. I love ball ball. My team is better than your team because it scored more points. Yay, my team! And it's like, yeah, dog, that's how everything works. Yeah. One of my favorite college humor sketches is deriding people who deride sports by showing other people deriding similar stuff. Like, why do you even care about movies? It doesn't even matter, like, who lives and dies at the end. It's all fake. Don't you know that? And I was like, yeah, but it's, it's just for fun. And just to be fair, I feel like at points in my life, I used to be one of those people. Oh, I've definitely but... been one of those people. I took that as an attack initially until I was like, oh, Evan's criticizing other people. I just happen to be part of that group. No, I definitely used to be the kind of person who was like, oh, sports, so dumb. But it's like, who cares? Like, it's something to like. Who cares? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't care. I can't care about sports. I just can't bring myself to that point. Like, my, my close friend here in the cities is, uh, is way into football, and I just can't relate. I couldn't possibly get into that. I love ping pong, but I can't, e I can't even follow that sport. I like playing sports. But that's just me. I love TV and I love movies and like the trivia and the social stuff surrounding those I could get obsessive over. Yeah, and someone else could be like, oh, what a, what a stupid hobby you have. Yeah, like, what does it matter what this improv comedian is like doing right now? I'm like, no, they're furthering their career. Like, they're really making it now. It's that... Uh... Yeah, they're, like, number one in their division. Like, they're working their way up. No, no, they just got a TV spot. Like, they're getting some uh, they're getting some recognition. They were the first pick for this new show. Yeah, exactly. And the new draft. <laughs> All that to say, Evan and I are going to be very respectful of the fact that sports exist in this episode. We're not going to deride sports, even though neither of us are athletes, athletically inclined. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, we still, you know, I, I followed Toronto and in in a number of its the different like pro leagues and and anyway how about how about i read the synopsis you want me to to hit that snop me bro hit that synopsis reading i yeah the gang meets up with tennis star jimmy pelton who has been cursed by a warlock the gang agrees to solve the mystery for jimmy but it appears that they too may be cursed by the warlock and his devil hound so that's the synopsis before we get deep into the episode before we get deep in there let's talk a little bit what's wrong evan you give me no, a little fine please please okay. continue so yeah so before we get deep into the episode let's <laughs> talk out a little bit dude i need you to keep a straight face for this let's let's do the episode please Jeez. I, i'll try to be more professional that's that's my mistake so before we get into the episode general impressions because i we've had we're we're pretty far in we're like 10 episodes plus into our show now um, we've seen some good ones. We've seen a, some more duds. Where does this fall on the spectrum for you? Uh, it was definitely pretty high. For the most part, classic Scooby-Doo episodes are what I enjoy a lot. And I find that there's always, there's always something to comment on. Like when you hit, you get some of these like more polished uh, versions, just like last week's um, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, the, the nuances are different. Mm. And, and because, uh, People have been doing this for a long time. They know good TV, but back in the day, I think things were a little bit rougher around the edges, um, and that roughness is appealing. That I agree completely. This is a 
a totally classic episode of Scooby-Doo. And if we were in the room together watching this together, as I kind of imagine you are when I'm watching and I imagine you're here with me, there's an, we'd be pausing it every five seconds to comment on stuff. The editing, the animation, the dialogue, it's all, it's so rich because it's so uneven. And I love that about it. But it's, it does have a lot of the classic elements that made Scooby-Doo such a successful formula for me. It's, uh, it's in a foreign country. It's, uh, it's got some very rich secondary characters. It has a lot of really, secondary characters. Like, a does, lot. And we will obviously touch on that. And I'd say a pretty rich mystery, too. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, how, you, let's just... Now, actually, get into the episode. Let's actually get into this. Um, I just needed to get your general impression. Yeah. I'm glad we're both. No, on that the was good. I, I think that's a good thing to do. Uh, we open up on a uh, spooky, foggy woods, um, and in those foggy woods, there's uh, Jimmy, who I mentioned in the synopsis, Jimmy Pelton, uh, and he's running with his his trainer. And um, you said that we are in a foreign country. Yes. And running through these woods, you see these very stout, gnarled, uh, kind of twisted-looking trees, which is very uh, indicative of England to me. And that is where we're at. Uh, and you can tell because um, this uh, the one who's not Jimmy, he's wearing like a gray tracksuit. Jimmy is in a... A green tracksuit with uh, yellow, yellow stripes. stripes. Uh, faster, Jimmy! You'll need all the extra stanima. <laughs> Did he really say stanima? You can get to win that tennis tournament. Yeah, I listened to it five to six times, and this dude says stanima. Not not in that tone of voice, but it, that word. Yeah, that's, uh, man, that's a good guy. And that's the kind of thing that I feel like in a classic episode of Scooby-Doo, there's a million things like that. There's no dialogue that's just, eh, whatever, they said this and it didn't mean anything. It's so Luke, rich with that's, mistakes. You, no, you're familiar with the fact uh, that here in the States and in Canada, uh, you would call it the trunk of a car. Whereas yes. over the pond in the UK, uh, they would call that the boot. Yes. It's the same thing. Stamina here, stamina there. <laughs> oh, we've got to save our stamina to get the spare out of the boot of the car. I've got to... It's not flat. What's the term? It's a uh, a puncture? Oh, what it? I, I guess there's some term. I was just, I was gonna. I thought you were talking about like a flat, like an apartment. Like, oh, let me just, oh, yeah. let me just take my lift up to the flat. And oh, my British accent is not good. I, I should have practiced more. I didn't do my Patrick Warburton level of practice for this one. Even though there's some great, like it's a very like schoolboyish British accent. Like, come on, we've got to practice for Wimbledon. Very Harry Pottery. Very Harry Pottery. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Um, Jimmy tells, you find out the other man's name is Nick, because the response is, don't worry, Nick, finishing first at Wimbledon is my dream. You, you have is, the accent down well, actually. Uh, really lays it out, I think. That's, yeah. th that's who Nick is. He's the trainer. Jimmy is the star. Yep. We're here in England. We're training for Wimbledon. We're deep into the premise already. Deep into the premise already. So let's just, uh, let's just ram a little further in. What happens next? Where are they running to? So they're running through these creepy woods. And they come up onto what looks sort of like a like a budget Stonehenge. Yeah, it looks like like a drunken Stonehenge. <laughs> and it's, it's what it is is the ancient druid ruins of Rothmore. So this is different than Stonehenge. So Jimmy, uh, hey Nick, look at this. It's a staff of some kind, and it's it's a staff which we talked about it being like a budget Stonehenge. Let me just say that the staff also doesn't look like it 
I've had a lot of work put into it. It's very simply designed, but if this staff existed in real life, it would be pricey. Because not only does it have like a kind of a red mask at the at the head of the staff, the eyes of that mask light up and smoke emits from it. So right. it's, there, this would be a pretty cool like, toy. There are like LEDs involved in that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it's sort of like a white, a longish white wooden stake with a little bit of like a bulb on the end of it and then a mask on that bulb. Yeah, it looks like a magician's stick with the mask of Majora like just tacked on the end of it or something. Uh, and, and you said that smoke and like light, yeah, and, and as a result, Jimmy says, yow, it's alive. And then we see right away the monster. Yeah, he throws, the, Jimmy throws the spear, it hits the ground, a, a billow of smoke, and the monster, the villain, appears. You, you've probably gathered, he is a warlock, mm-hmm. uh, as based on this episode. Um, and he he has uh, he has sort of like middle aged garb. <laughs> that makes it sound like he's wearing <laughs> New Balance sneakers, Walmart jeans, and a polo shirt. He's wearing middle ages no. garb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what I said, and I, and I stand by it. Stand by it. He's mowing the lawn around the Stonehenge. Excuse me, the Druid ruins of Rothmore. But he's wearing what looks like I don't know the term for it. Uh, it's it's like a tu- he's wearing like a, a tunic. tunic. He has a, a belt about his waist. High boots. Um, a lot of primary colors actually, like a blue tunic or sorry, a red and yellow tunic and a blue cape, and then a red mask similar to that which is on the the staff. Yeah, and like long gloves and long boots, and he's got a goatee and a red mask that matches the staff. And at his side, he has what looks like a demon Scooby. Yeah, which which is part of the reason I chose this episode was because there was a monster or like I guess a ghoul or a ghost or whatever um, who had an animal sidekick. Yeah, and the animal sidekick again looks like a demon Scooby, just slightly more dark reddish fur, um, you know, like evil looking yellow eyes and fangs and a spiked yellow collar. So I've commented time and time and time and time again about how I personally don't like it when monsters can talk because it like really takes you out mm. of the whole thing. I like this guy ah. because just because of the conversations he has. Um, so he comes out and he says, I am the warlock Anthos. I have returned to fulfill my curse against the Pelton family. And then Jimmy's like, Peltons? I'm a Pelton! I'm a Pelton! <laughs> and the warlock's like, yes. I know. Hence our discussion. He's what he's done. He's woken up from an age-long sleep, and yes, he's returned to fulfill a curse from the Pelton family. My question is: If he's returned from an age-long sleep, why does he have an American accent? He speaks in a very grand manner, but he has an American accent. I did not pick up on that. That is hella curious. It is because but Jimmy and Nick. It's Nick, right? Mm-hmm. Jimmy and Nick. J- Jimmy and Nick are very British. Like, super, like, stereotypically British. And, again, the warlock of Anthos speaks in a very grand, verbose manner, but it's still American. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. He he says that uh, he's cursed the Peltons. And whenever whenever this staff is passed around, it is hurled like a spear. That's I'm so glad you mentioned it. It's hurled like a javelin, but it never lands like that. And, and it is, uh, again, like, pointed on one tip. So it's like he hurls it at Jimmy, and we see it coming towards Jimmy. I fully expected it to skewer just to Jimmy impale to impale him, chest. right? Yeah, pin him like a butterfly to the felt. Yeah. Um, 
It didn't. Jimmy catches it. Like, he doesn't even move his hands. The spear just falls right into it. And then, uh, and then Anthem says, as long as you have my cursed staff, you are doomed. And Nick is like, Jimmy, get rid of it! Just don't, don't hold the staff, Jimmy. I get that he threw it right into your hands, but you can drop it. And Jimmy does that. He throws it. Uh, and then, and then they run back into the woods. And what I loved is, they used the same footage of them running forward through the woods. So it looks like as they run away in terror, Nick is continuing to coach him. <laughs> yes. Jimmy's kind of running, and he's pacing himself for the competition, and Nick is very much running, like, a little in front of him, looking to the side, like, <laughs> making sure that Jimmy is, is healthy, squirting water into his mouth intermittently, rubbing his shoulders. It, it really speaks a lot to, to their professionalism and their commitment to, uh, to winning Wimbledon in the tournament. Even when they're fleeing, they're training. Uh, the gang... You know, uh, they need to get around this uh, this strange new country. They're in the mystery machine. Obviously, the gang is here in England as well. They're riding through this very foggy English woods. They're extremely foggy, so foggy that Fred is wondering um, how people, how Velma knows where they are, because she's saying that they're approaching their destination, uh, the ancient mm. druid ruins of Rothmore. Yeah, which they want to see for some ill-defined reason. We don't know why they want to go there. Uh, it turns out that Scooby is. Uh, using the skylight of the van, what would have been hilarious at the time, sort of like I've heard of blank, but never blank. What's the uh, what's the joke there? What here? What? It's a uh, I've heard of fog lights, but never dog lights. Oh, that's so ready at hand. I can't believe they didn't do that. Because Scooby is, he's holding this light. Oh, sorry, out. no, that is that is what they say. That is what Velma says. Oh, is that what they say? Oh, good, good on them for catching that. Um, but I'm just saying joke. that that is like for- formulaically of this era. You hear, you will hear that a lot. That's and that's a very dinkly line too. You uh, you could write an episode with those kind of chops. So the gang is driving along, as you said. Scooby's outside of the sunroof, uh, showing this fog light on the road. They have to come to a quick break though, because, because these uh, two figures walk into the road. They've they've run out into the middle of the road and thrown their hands up, and it's honestly surprising Fred was able to stop in time. Yeah, good on you, Fred. That's why we have Fred behind the wheel. He's got a good reaction time. And uh, and because Fred breaks so quickly, uh, Scooby is just decapitated in the sunroof. His head <laughs> rolls, rolls over the roof and onto the hood of the car. The and roof they leave of the it there for a just cuts ornament. his head clean off. Yeah, man. So that's one of the reasons we really like this episode. They're doing some exciting stuff. No, it doesn't happen. Scooby swallows the floodlight he's holding, and then the light comes out of his ears. And Which, that's the... you know, that's how do- biologically... That is how dogs work. That's not the last time something will connect between Scooby's ears and mouth this episode. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Some I didn't realize that until this moment. We'll get to that at the end. But uh, these two figures in the road are obviously Nick and Jimmy. And I like how candid they are, in which they tell the gang, please, we need help. We were attacked by the warlock Anthos. Not a <laughs> warlock, not a ghost, not a mist, not a, you know, ostensibly he's a I don't know, some kind of supernatural figure, the warlock Anthos. Yeah, normally you do that by increments. We were attacked. Get them on your side with that. Get a little sympathy and that's, who were you attacked by? Some guy in a weird outfit. Oh man, people wear weird outfits all the time. That's why, what what was he pretending to be? A warlock. Okay, I'm on. But if you give them all of that at the front end, they're going to go the other direction. Yeah, I agree. They need a buy-in. You don't tell someone right off the bat you were attacked by the warlock Anthos. Otherwise, what are they going to do but... Uh, pull out a toque and start doing magic with it, which is what Scooby does. Yes! Um, here's the thing. Uh, I understand that the showrunners really knew their audience. A lot of them being children, and maybe these children, their vocabulary is not quite up to snuff. 
So yeah, maybe warlock kids, is a yeah. Yeah, don't know what the word warlock means. Um, so they understand. They explain to this dog, and the children watching at home, warlocks are uh, magic practitioners essentially. Yeah. Like a magician. It's going to be like, oh, magician. So he pulls out, again, it's a toque. It is it's a toque. A, and I like a that winter you're, beanie. You're saying toque because obviously that is what I would have said. I'm speaking to my Canadian co-host, so I know the word to say. For Americans, that's a beanie with a little pom-pom at the top of it. And Scooby uses it in lieu of a top hat, which would have made more sense for yeah, the magician why, why and a England. Why a toque in England? And it's not winter. We're at winter? Okay, sure, maybe. Why not? No, it's clearly not winter in England right now. And the gag that follows is equally bewildering in that Scooby pulls a rabbit out of this toque, which, like, spazzes out at him. The rabbit has, like, a minor and, rabbit and fit. a low-key roars at him. Yeah, I this screenshot I'm certain you're going to put in the, on the oh, website. I'm, most I'm looking at it right now, and it's kind of terrifying, and it's a one-shot joke. Scooby has a lot of those. And they animated it really well. This... Like, you could tell the rabbit was going to move because he was very lovingly Very rendered. lovingly rendered. Part of, going back to what we said at the beginning of this episode, part of what I love about these old episodes is that there's some really crappy animation. Like, there's some scenes where for, like, ten seconds the gang will be talking and only their mouths move. You can tell the mouths are the only animated part. And there's other parts that have really snappy, crisp, full-body animation, like this scene. The variety of it is what's, where the pleasure is for me. Uh, so we find out, well, we already know that this is Jimmy Pelton, uh, manager, I guess, slash coach Nick Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gang deliver them to where they need to go. It's, uh, it's a spooky mansion, um, which, surprisingly enough, they don't spend a lot of time in. Yeah, a spooky mansion sounds like the perfect, uh, the perfect setting for a Scooby-Doo mystery. But instead, it's the creepy English countryside, which I think is also, well, also a, very good, a very good setting. We find out that this mansion has been in the Pelton family for generations. They lost it due to bad luck. And uh, Jimmy, who is a professional athlete, has recently bought it back. John, the gatekeeper, meets them at the front of the house. Uh, he also looks at Velma and Daphne, and he, uh, he asks them what they know about comic books. He asks them who their, who their favorite superheroes are. Uh, Daphne says Wolverine, and he says, oh, what's Wolverine's real name? And she says, oh, it's Logan. And he says, everyone knows that uh, Wolverine's birth name was Jimmy Hudson, you, uh, you fake geek girl. And then he, uh, he tells them to leave. So that's John the Gatekeeper for you. <laughs> I, just, I have no idea. I'm so lost. Is that is that uh, is gatekeeper a term that I'm? Yeah, that's that's uh, it's it's just a term for like someone who keeps other people out oh, of. Oh, like yeah, they're tries gatekeeping. To be exclusive. I didn't know that. I learned something. <laughs> that's a good term for it too, for that kind of douche who who only wants fat white dudes to be into what they're into. Anyway, he also, in addition to that, he oh. also keeps the gate, so he lets them in. He's kind of uh, he gives them the stink eye. He gives them the stink eye. What what he actually says is nothing. He just creepily stares at them as they go inside and then closes the gate behind. So that's one character that we're introduced to. We're, uh, very shortly afterwards, introduced to another character, the housekeeper, Mrs. Warren. Mrs. Warren is the housekeeper, and when they say, Mrs. Warren, we've encountered a warlock, she immediately says, we gotta consult the tea leaves. And she does indeed consult the tea leaves, and at the bottom of the, uh, the mug, they form into the visage of Anthos the warlock. A very vivid visage. Uh, kind of like a, a very accurate pointillist rendition of the warlock's face. Yeah, I did it, think it was is, very... It was kind of pointless, but I... I, I <laughs> no, 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 it was pointillist. 
Right, it was pointless. No, no, no. For you. I thought I thought it had a point. I, you thought it was pointless. I'm Let's just good. move on. Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> that's just a, a note. That's how did that happen? No matter what, like we don't find out at the end of the episode how whoever was the villain made the tea leaves show that uh, that image. That's quite a coincidence. It, it really is. Um, so Scooby and Shaggy are by the doors that open up onto the gardens, and mm-hmm. those doors open up. And there we see uh, the warlock Anthos and his devil hound. Yes, we see them standing out in the garden uh, after they scare Scooby and Shaggy into making a big mess. Scooby and Shaggy look out and they're they're just standing there threatening. A staff, the staff is just floating there. Uh, which again, the staff is what carries the curse. We so and it, it's a weird kind of cut. Like we look out and we see the the warlock and his demon, his devil dog standing in the doorway they're not even like out in the garden they're standing in the doorway and they're like you will never be free from the curse as long as the staff is here and we cut to the gang and then when we cut back it's just the yeah, staff it's, floating it's very odd like we don't see the warlock disappear yeah uh, and and the gang they all start to run after Athos, which is really odd i guess out of character well it's in character scooby and shaggy lag behind everyone else is like well let's go chase the warlock and scooby and shaggy are like we're gonna walk slowly yeah in the in this episode there's a lot of the gang chasing the monster and not the other way around to me that's acceptable because scooby and shaggy are out of the loop on this here's one thing i noticed i don't know if you did you know um all of the scooby gang members the mystery incorporated they all have very Mm -hmm. distinct runs yeah oh yeah definitely so so Scooby he he leans very far forward when he runs. And and Shaggy as well, like really Or sorry, I meant I meant Shaggy, but yes, yeah. Yeah, Shaggy he really leans very far forward. He kind of hunches like a football player and then really pumps his arms. Uh and and then uh Velma kind of has like this petite she kind of keeps her hands by her waist a little bit when she runs. Yeah. Um and and Daphne's is very similar. In this episode, Daphne runs like a zombie. I'm I'm pulling that up and, right now. I gotta take a look at and, that. And I don't mean like a 28 days later or like World War Z zombie, like all flailing limbs. I mean like she puts, she sticks her arms out directly in front of her, <laughs> her as if to grab the warlock. Yeah. Rigor mortis arms and limp wrists. Honestly, she runs kind of like a monster, a Scooby monster would. That's amazing. We're kind of giving away Velma. Excuse me. Daphne is the villain in this episode. I think you guys, it's probably given it away. Man, she really is doing that. It's so odd. Wow. Like she's blind and trying to make sure she doesn't run into something. Uh, there's a really, really brief, almost, and I, I only want to bring this up, if only so I can make a point and then move on. Um, but Shaggy says that the fog is as thick as pea soup, and then Scooby conjures up a bowl and starts eating out of it with a spoon. All of it, yeah. which is to say, and I'll try to keep this brief, that Scooby is really clowny this episode. He really, it, his expressions are super goofy as well. Like, there's there's a lot of good face screenshot opportunities. And and a lot of the gags are very, very on an island from the events of the episode. Yeah, uh, like, I think I mentioned just this past episode, I believe it was, um, that a lot of the time when exposition is happening, Scooby will engage in physical humor or comedy to sort of, like, keep audiences engaged. Uh, younger audiences. Yeah, and because Scooby can't really talk and say, like, oh, we should go look for these clues over here, and Shaggy is kind of his voice in, in saying, we shouldn't, we should avoid danger. So Scooby has to do something in the meantime. But but this entire episode, Scooby's just, he's so goofy... And, and yeah, clown. He's just such a clown. Yeah. Uh, and I was trying to think, and again, I'll try not to, to spend too much time on it, but what do we want out of Scooby-Doo in an episode? That's a good question. 
Because we, I mean, for the fact that this show is called Scooby Dudes, we overlook Scooby a lot. Partly because my favorite characters are like Fred and, and Shaggy and, uh, and the ladies. I wasn't thrilled with Scooby this, this episode. He didn't do very much that was of interest, of note. Scooby and Shaggy need to spend time together, but I think that time needs to appear worthwhile. They need to contribute something, and Scooby, as kind of you indicated, just has a bunch of side gags that don't impact very much. To, to, to move on, um, there's a ruckus, or rather, I, I think it's a, it's a howl that they hear, and they follow it, and they go to the gatekeeper's house. Yeah, it looks like a hurricane hit the place. Uh, or, keep... or a devil hound. <laughs> yep, or a devil hound, because there are, uh, there are red paw prints all over the gatekeeper's house, not just on the floor, but on the walls, cli- climbing up to the ceiling. Like, honestly, on one hand, kind of, like, goofy and funny, and on the other hand, kind of scary. Kind of scary, especially when Velma doesn't acknowledge what this red stuff could be. She's like, ah, it's red mud, and there's the gatekeeper. Red mud is leaking out of his neck. He's in a <laughs> pool of red mud. It's, it, here's the thing. The only thing left of uh, John the gatekeeper is a single boot. And this boot is splattered with this red substance. And much like um, What a Night for a Night, Velma touches it and sort of like rubs it between her fingers by her face. And indicates that it's red mud. Whereas in What a Night for a Night, it was Fred disappointedly saying it's not blood. Uh, Up until that point, though, it did actually look like a CSI episode. We had to assume, and it's like Shaggy holding up the bloody boot with the the tongue of the boot ripped out has a metaphorical horror too like be silent or else it's oh, uh that, that i i like that reading that's a great interpretation I, i'm just looking at it right now um, it's it's a it's a kind of scary scene that's part of what i really liked about this episode it had some great vivid clues they follow they follow the uh the paw prints outside eventually they vanish and they're outside they're on the grounds of the mansion now mm-hmm. uh and who should come jolly jolly just bicycling over but mr burgess the solicitor you say should i don't think he should have come but he does come it's mr burgess he is their solicitor uh and it's it's so like i've said goofy a number of times this episode but he just he literally just bikes up out of nowhere he's and he is the most he is very goofy he's riding a bicycle he's got a a curly mustache and a bowler hat and a bow tie and uh after he hears about what has happened he says oh dear me I always feared this would happen. It began in ancient times. Yes. And as soon as he says ancient times, Scooby and Shaggy say, Oh, I don't think we want to hear this. I don't know if they're expecting to hear something scary or just to learn something. <laughs> but they aren't, don't want and it either way. This is a nice gag where they plug each other's ears. Yes. Shaggy plugs his own one ear and then one of Scooby's. And then after a second, Scooby plugs one of his own ears and then the other one of yeah, Shaggy's. He returns the favor. Yeah. <laughs> And their arms are kind of intertwined. That's that's a very pleasing scene. Uh, apparently, the Anthos family was accused of witchcraft, and they're the ones who cursed the Peltons. So yeah, the Peltons drove them out, and then they, in response, the Anthos family cursed them. There's more to this. This actually isn't sort of like a fake curse or a fake um, history. Apparently, this actual, according to Mr. Burgess, at least, this actually did take place. Unfortunately, bad news, Jimmy. Your finances are worse than we thought. It turns out Jimmy spent every spare farthing he had to buy back this mansion because, again, it was lost due to poor fortune, as it happens, lost right after they were cursed by the Anthos family. So Jimmy has just gotten the mansion back, and now if he doesn't win the Wimbledon tournament, he's going to lose the mansion. And here's the thing. If Jimmy wants to win the Wimbledon tournament, he should probably remove the curse from himself. Right. I mean, if he if he if he 
gives any weight to it, he should. They still have the staff. Fred goes over. Shaggy, get rid of this for Jimmy, will ya? Uh, so Shaggy obviously takes the staff and throws it to his pal Scoob. There's a little uh, staff hot potato there. Before they ultimately just both leave and go try to find a uh, a pond with a wet tart to throw it to. A watery <laughs> yeah, they, tart. They throw the staff into the pond uh, and it just sort of floats there. And then they're like, oh yeah, wood, uh, because of its buoyancy, does not sink in water. We see a hand close around it in the water and then the fist raises it out and we see that the warlock emerges from beneath. It's, it is pretty spooky. I think it would have been spookier if it had just caught it before it hit the pond. Yeah, it's, as it is, it's just bewildering. It's, uh, what possible non-supernatural uh, non creature was just waiting underwater for Scooby and Shaggy to come to this exact spot and throw the staff in there? Yeah, I, I agree entirely. He he hurls it uh, at Scooby and Shaggy once again like a spear. Like he intends to skewer them. And once again, it's caught effortlessly. In Scooby's mouth this time around. But yeah. it's so, again, don't don't shape it like a spear. Don't give it a point, because that's what makes it so terrifying every time. They absolutely don't have to. And the mask the mask is shaped like the back of an arrow like the, the fletching on an arrow. So it makes it look like the staff is meant to fly straight and true into someone's body. Um, so uh, Shaggy and Scooby, they're terrified. They run back to the mansion holding the staff. Yeah, they meet up with uh, Nick and Jimmy and the gang who are on the tennis court. Um, and they barely have time to report what just happened before the warlock himself appears again, along with the devil dog. Uh, and here's, here's the... This is, to me, the scariest scene in the entire episode. Because what happens is, it is heavily implied that the devil hound grabs Nick and absconds with him. Yeah, we don't see... It happens kind of off-screen as we see reactions from the whole gang, but that's what's implied. And Jimmy is so horrified by what's happening that he chases after. He trips over a tree branch and loses his glasses trying to chase after and save his trainer. It's really... Again, I just find it really scary because this is a wild animal and acting like a wild animal i mean we've described a little bit of the appearance of the devil hound but not the fact that the devil hound is like frothing at the mouth like barking and, and gnashing its teeth at everyone and and to think that it could grab someone and just like pull them away is really scary and again they don't animate or show any of this it's just mm -hmm. implied and just like you said the only way we have to gauge what's happening is by the reactions of of the people who are watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Velma saying, there's so much red mud. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's everywhere. Uh, you're right, though. He does chase after him. Uh, he does drop his glasses. The glasses are found next to the staff. He does say, uh, oh, it's lucky they weren't broken. He pops them back on. Um, he snaps the staff in half. He says, we need to get rid of this blasted staff. He snaps it over his, uh, his leg. And for the first time, we see the staff the two pieces of the staff just thrown kind of carelessly. And in that case, the staff sticks in the ground like a javelin. <laughs> yes, when it is uh, casually tossed to the When it's snapped in dirt. half and then both pieces are tossed, it's, it, then it lands in the ground very, very pleasingly, and the eyes glow before we cut away. Uh, they do head very quickly, just briefly, back to the druid ruins of Rothmore, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, they find that the mud there is... Uh, it's red mud. And Jimmy does tell them this is the only place in the country where it's this special color. 
Indeed. So there's something there's something here. The, uh, so they, they then return to the manor uh, and in a long tradition, I guess going forward and backward to the Spectre and to the Gremlin, um, there's a note in all caps by, oh, look, it's the staff. It's whole. It's in one piece. It says, if you play tomorrow, it will mean your doom. So a, an explicit threat now. But Jimmy isn't just being shaken up for no obscure reason. Uh, the threat is don't play in the tennis tournament. That sounds like a human reason. And, uh, and from there, we go looking for clues. Up to this point, there has been no searching for clues. Um, but now, uh, yeah. Velma decides, yes, that's what we should be doing. Look, Fred, you and Daphne go to Wimbledon with Jimmy. You watch uh, how that's going. We will try to uh, get to the bottom of this on our own. Uh, Scooby and Shaggy are none too pleased to be left behind in the creepy, in the creepy field. They say, we do not want to go along and look for clues. We are going to put our feet down on the matter. Uh, and they both stamp their respective foot and paw down on the ground. At the same time, and they bust through the ground. The area they were standing on was apparently apparently very thin. They crash through into an underground, not even cave, but like bunker. Uh, and, and their fall is uh, very lightly cushioned by what looks to be approximately a foot of sawdust covering the ground. Yeah, like a, a whole lot of soft sawdust and dust. Uh, and uh, Jeepers, this looks like a carpenter's workshop, complete with, like I said, sawdust. Sawdust, and a whole lot of ores. Uh, she finds uh, a piece of paper that says on it, one, it's an order, sort of like... Uh, it says bill of sale. Yeah, one pair spec lens. Mm. And that's, that brought up a lot of memories. We've encountered a Mr. Speck previously. In uh, High Rise Hair Razor, there was also a bill of sale for some sort of lens. Oh, do you mean High Rise Hair Razor, the episode that I promised we would never bring up again? Just oh, the yeah. last episode. I made no such promise. <laughs> that yeah. is true. Um, uh, one pair of Speck lens. Uh, they also find uh, weird boots that have paw prints on the soles. Which, look, look, look. Y you're putting these paw prints on the bottom of boots. But the paw prints go up the walls, yeah. so ostensibly you would still need to like step on these walls up to the ceiling. Still need to walk on the walls. <laughs> yeah, but then you have a pair of gloves within the boots so that you can put your hands in the gloves in the boots and then walk it up the walls. Or maybe the boots on some silts. Honestly, it, it didn't need to go down that way. But we were getting some very valuable clues. And what I love is, uh, now that they've found, I guess, like evidence that this is all a sham, Right, that this is, I mean, the the paw print boots really give it away. Yeah, if if everything else wasn't like, oh, there's these staff looking things with these oars and all this sawdust and this hidden area down here, uh, the, yeah, the paw print boots really should have said the devil hound isn't what it appears to be. Uh, and then the, uh, Anthos shows up and he says, "What is? Uh, how nice of you to drop in." Um, and he he goes uh, to uh, to get them. Um, and what I like, this is very realistic. As he's walking towards them, sawdust starts to billow up. Yeah. Because he's walking. And there's a moving, lot of sawdust. That causes Scooby to sneeze, a big cloud of sawdust, and they escape uh, in the resulting yeah. uh, cloud. That was a nice, uh, a kind of a turn or a, a twist on the norm that the gang escaped in a cloud of smoke or a cloud of sawdust. Normally it's the other way around. And, uh, and they do. They run, they run, they run, they run into a river. Uh, there's an underground river, there's a rowboat. They hop in. Um, right behind them in another rowboat are Anthos and uh, the Devil Hound. And the Devil Hound is uh, snapping at Scooby, taking a bite after bite out of Scooby's oar until there's nothing left and Scooby has to row with his paws 
until they do manage to get out of the underground river into an overground river, but that leads into a waterfall. Uh, one thing that I thought was very funny about this, the briefest of chase scenes, because to my recollection, this is the only chase scene where the warlock actually is after. There's, well, a, there's, there's a little, little bit later, later, but there's, this isn't a strong chase um, scene episode. No. Uh, while, the, like you said, the devil hound is chopping away at the oar, you don't, all you see is the devil hound in the front of, the, in the prow of the sailboat. You don't, you don't see, see the warlock who is ostensibly rowing very quickly. Doing all the rowing, because Scooby and Shaggy are rowing for the front end. The warlock is able to keep up with both of them, impressively. It's also kind of an interesting, and we'll, we're coming closer to the end, and, and we'll touch on this again, but sort of the difference between Scooby as a dog and the devil hound as a dog. The devil hound is very aggressive and very dog- like, this looks like a dog that's been trained to, to fight. And that's not instruction that Scooby has ever been given. Right. I mean, Scooby is rowing an oar with his paws. He's clearly talented, but not as bestial as the other dog, if you will. <laughs> Every time. Okay. Um, it's they... bestially rendered, really. Lovingly bestial. Uh, they go down the water. They go through on the river down a small waterfall. Uh, when what? they hit the bottom of it, a Again, a thing with Scooby's ears, Scooby cranks one ear to make water shoot out the other one, like a spout. They do, sur yes, they do survive falling on the waterfall. And what should they see in the distance but Wimbledon? They see in this otherwise completely empty giant English field, a small tennis stadium. And that is where Wimbledon is taking place. We do see that the one-on-one the one -on -one tournament, uh, the finals, whatever it is, Jimmy is playing quite well until he looks up into the audience and he sees that the warlock is literally just sitting there in full warlock garb, holding the staff. And staring at him. And Jimmy is so taken aback by this, he just stares. He freezes. As, yeah. He freezes as, the, as his opponent aces him. And Jimmy looks back to that area of the stands. The warlock is no longer there. Uh, and this happens at least one other time, and he's, he's losing. Yeah, uh, his opponent is getting more points than he is. Seriously lost his edge because of this. He's way too distracted. What happens yeah. is that Jimmy, he's very distressed. Um, and he's so distressed that he ends up uh, tripping and falling, and his glasses fly off of his face, and they land uh, near or in front of Velma. And Velma picks them up, has, has an idea, and tries them on. And she, she seems to experience some sort of revelation. She has a eureka moment with these glasses. Uh, so she puts them on. Uh, when Jimmy comes over to retrieve his glasses... Yeah, she gives him her own pair of glasses and hangs on to his old pair. So there's something going on with these glasses. And Velma then pockets his pair and then puts on another pair of her own. She keeps a spare. I, I like how that happens um, because the implication is that their prescriptions do not quite line up with one another. That... <laughs> and that's why she has to wear her own actual glasses, which means that Jimmy is now playing Wimbledon with glasses that are not up to snuff. With glasses that are wrong. Like, so, I mean, clearly, I'm guessing our audience has picked up on this. There's something going on with these glasses that has to do with why Jimmy's seeing the warlock in the stands. And that's clearly some effective sabotage. But giving Jimmy non-prescription glasses or the wrong prescription glasses would be just as bad or worse because it would mess up what you're actually seeing on the court. Yeah, his depth perception and not just the fact that there's a warlock in the stands. Yeah, but Velma is, maybe they're the same prescription. That would be a bit of a miracle. So we, we did mention that Wimbledon is like the world's largest tennis tournament. That we did. Um, and uh, you would think that there would be more security. There is none. None whatsoever. And, and the reason that you can say with such confidence that there's none whatsoever is because the warlock Anthos 
shows he's just there. Yeah, he's like there on the court, like courtside. <laughs> he's just wandering around, and this isn't like some kind of glasses illusion. This is the warlock Anthos with his bloodthirsty hound on it, like a choke chain leash. Uh, and this is where we we have another extremely short uh, chase scene in which. Uh, the warlock and the devil hound chase Scooby and Shaggy in what's kind of a weird mirror, you know what I mean? In which a man uh. chases a man and a dog chases a dog. You know that it's there's a sort of correspond corresponding parts. Yeah, it's there's a strong there's an easy parallel here. The the devil hound looks like an evil version of Scooby, a hundred percent. That's all I can think of him as. And Scooby and Shaggy get chased through a very weird setting, like locker room setting how would you describe where they're running i i mean i would just call it a locker room yeah it's like a locker room but it's got the scale of that uh storage warehouse at the end of indiana jones like <laughs> lockers upon lockers upon lockers and there's this really bright red reflective floor and that's all there's there is something a little uncanny about that yeah and honestly i felt like we were in the matrix or something like it felt unreal for some reason and there's this weird somewhat synthy music underneath uh, so this is, we we do need to uh, we do need to come back together and sort of discuss the fate of the list, which we sort of decided to uh, eat phase out. Yeah, we kind of phased out. We previously, if you've listened to our earlier episodes, we had a list of things that are Scooby Doo tropes we like to see in every episode. We've kind of been phasing that out because it's a lot to go through, and most episodes don't hit most stuff on that list. But there is one thing that we'd like to hit a lot. Uh, we like to hit the Scooby Doop. The yeah. Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, it's always, typically always those two. They put on a, a mock, they, they create a bit of a farce mm-hmm. uh, that the monster has to buy into. And and really, he has to buy into for it to be a successful Scooby-Doo. In this episode, an example might be that uh, Scooby and Shaggy are running from the monster. They round a corner, uh, the monster rounds the corner, and he finds them playing a tennis match. And they demand that he be the ball boy. Right, yeah. And and so they'll, they'll be like, ball, give me the ball. They... They kind of make these quick demands that makes the monster just go along with it. They create a social situation in which the pressure is too high for him to do otherwise. Right, maybe maybe the monster is chasing them across a tennis court, and all of a sudden, they're the referees. And then they're like, clear like clear the court, like, like everyone get off the court. Like, offsides, get back on your side. Yeah. Or like, and yeah. the monster's like, chagrined. And like, oh, like, oh, my mistake. I shouldn't have done that. You're right. Yeah, or like Scooby's the uh, Scooby's the opponent and Shaggy's the referee. And he's just like Shaggy distracts the monster and Scooby aces him. And the monster's mad because he lost a point. <laughs> right. Like you you yeah. distract the monster w- by creating a new situation. I love that bit. That's my favorite thing that happens in Scooby-Doo. And, and the fact that we just came up with three alternate Scooby-Doops, I think says a lot. And I think three Scooby-Doops, all of which are better than the one that occurs here. Uh, because the monster is searching for them in this or locker warehouse, as it locker were. Locker warehouse maze, yeah. Uh, and he opens up one, nothing. He opens up the second one. In it are Scooby and Shaggy wearing tennis get-ups. He closes it. He opens the third one. And then realizes, oh, I just saw them. They were just there, yeah. Uh, so then he, he opens it up. They, they run out. They're then on, on a court. Uh, and they're, uh, they're, and then they're, they very lightly enact. Like, they, they sort of um, adopt characters. But the warlock isn't around, and they're kind of oh well. I say, old chap, pardon me. Well, no. When when they're li- so the warlock goes back and opens the locker that they're in, and when they walk out of the locker, they're oh, like, oh well, sorry. I say, old chap, pardon me. I'll just come right over this way. It's a really weak kind of thin Scooby Doop. They aren't really putting anything over the warlock. They just waltz out, and because they're they walking waltz- out of yeah. a locker, that's not normal. There's, there, you can't buy no. into that because it's already weird. 
I hear there's a lot of that that happens at Wimbledon, but let's let's not touch on that too specifically. Let's get back to the episode. Don't want to kink shame any tennis players, but they, the Scooby and Shaggy walk immediately onto a doubles match tennis court where presumably they're going to have to compete. And the championship doubles match begins. So all of a sudden, yeah, they are in Wimbledon. And uh, we cut away from there. We don't get to see that, which is too bad, because I really would have enjoyed that. There, There's one quick thing before we do that, is Shaggy asks Scooby, uh, how's your backhand, Scoob? And and uh, Scooby looks down at the back of his paw, and he's like, oh, shaky. Yeah. Um, which is, I liked, and that was funny. And here's one thing, we can observe this moving forward, because I saw it on Twitter, one of the many Scooby-related uh, Twitter feeds that we follow. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's a rule, a light rule, in which Scooby can say no more than four words per, per sentence, or at a time. Interesting. I didn't, I would have never noticed that, but when we do our captions on our website, I sometimes try and write as Scooby, and it's so hard every time. Because you can't do more than a couple of words without losing track of what should have an R and what shouldn't at the beginning. Right, yeah. Or maybe they just didn't want to pay Don Messick very much. Jimmy is now playing very well. He's now crushing his opponent. Yeah, Jimmy, the game has turned around for Jimmy. Um, and, and Daphne and Fred are cheering him on, which, as far as I know, you are not supposed to do at Wimbledon. Oh, yeah, isn't it supposed to be a very quiet, dignified affair, especially in England? This isn't American tennis either. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of like, clap, I think, at the end of, like, a, a bout or a match or yeah. whatever, but not during the game. It's really good. It's a very... It should be reserved, and... and Well, these are Americans at, at Wimbledon, I suppose, so maybe that's it. Uh, it's, it's not really explained what happens to Scooby and Shaggy, but eventually they're, they're behind... They're no longer playing doubles. They're, again, getting chased by the Warlock and Devilhound. And Scooby finds himself behind a tennis player, which, again, the ref has not said any, anything. No one should make it this close yeah. to the court where the game is taking place. Um, yeah, but Scooby and Shaggy are basically on the court as a game is going on. Like, they've won or they've lost the doubles tournament they stepped into. We cut away from that. They might be champions and they've just forgotten about it. But now they're just standing around on another court. The player winds up, and he winds up with such strength that his racket uh, breaks over Scooby's head and sort of like collars his around his neck because the mesh breaks he then uh in spite of the immense weight of a of a full-grown great dane uh yeah. flings his arm forward as if to hit the ball and hurls scooby into the net which he, so he then just, catapults yeah. off of he flings it's amazing that he whips scooby over his shoulder like that would be tough with a 50 pound dog let alone a 50 pound dog caught by a tennis racket but i guess that's pro-level Wimbledon strength. Uh, and he then lands on the Demon Hound, or the Devil Hound, which is, you know how people like to criticize Disney, or rather this one specific uh, Disney realm, because um, Goofy is one of Mickey's best friends, yet Mickey owns Pluto? <laughs> Mickey has, like, uh, it would be like having a black friend and a slave. Essentially, yeah. It's sort of like, does yeah. Clara get uncomfortable when Mickey and the gang go get milkshakes? Like, does that make her feel a a little weird? We're gonna go down to the farm and see some of the cows getting milked, and she's just, like, traumatized. Which is all to say that Scooby is a very human-like dog, and he's riding the devil hound almost like a bucking bronco. Yeah, he lands on the the devil hound's back, and he rides it, like you said, like a bucking bronco. The other dog is protesting, but it carries them and the warlock and... And Shaggy trailing behind. Shaggy's the... chasing them. Yeah, again, yeah. a weird reversal. Yeah, I guess because Shaggy's best friend is kind of in danger right now. And 
I get Shaggy doesn't want to die, but he doesn't want to live without Scooby. That's my reading. Scooby and Shaggy earlier, when when the Warlock and the Devil Hound first uh, attack them, were eating hot dogs. And I think an American audience unfamiliar with the UK and unfamiliar with Wimbledon might think that Wimbledon was a big ol' like everyone's just in the stands eating hot dogs. It's hard to imagine a less accurate food to show at Wimbledon. Because it chased... I mean, I'm sure that there are hot dogs sold there, but not to the extent that this episode uh, claims. Yeah. Scooby rides the Devil Hound into the hot dog stand, which essentially or uh, effectively traps both the Warlock and the Devil Hound. And I, I just gotta say, I think back at the time this was made... Tennis was way more of a sausage party because Serena and Venus Williams hadn't come along just yet. So that's that's maybe a little bit of it. I knew that bit wasn't good, but I had to get it out there. No, um, it's I, I low-key appreciate it, so you're, you're good. <laughs> um, but yeah, the warlock, Scooby, and the devil hound bust into this hot dog stand. And, and they pop up out of the wreckage. Uh, and whenever you see a monster pop up just the shoulders, you know that he's about to be unmasked. So that's, that's what's about to happen to the monster. With Scooby, when he pops up, he has five hot dogs in his head. And I didn't say mouth, I said head. Because he has three poking out of his mouth and two out of his ears. Uh, and-, and what he does is he sucks each of the hot dogs into his body. Uh, first the ones in his mouth, and then the ones in his ears. He sucks them into his ears. He, like, slurps them into each of his ears, one after another. Scooby's ears play an interesting role in this episode. That doesn't actually happen. If it did, I would not have been surprised. It does happen. What? I didn't make the... No, dude, I'm serious. That does happen. I was, I was, that was a bit. I was making a, you were, doing a bit. You were doing a bit, but that's genuinely what happened. Like, Scooby slurps two hot dogs into his ears. Hold on, hold on. I need... Keep keep talking. I'm, I'm gonna watch that right now. I, I, I There's three things in this episode that <gasps> happen with Scooby's ears. No. <laughs> yes. I just I just mentioned a minute ago that Scooby squirts water out of one ear by cranking another. Yeah. Here he sucks two hot dogs into his ears. What is Here's it that happens part. earlier on? Uh, oh, light I, comes out of his ears because of the floodlight he swallowed. I can make I can because of this I can make a gif out of this, and I will I will put that on the website. Please do. It's very that is so disturbing. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, we... But I, I think you picked up on a great thing, which is that they, the, the Devil Hound and the Warlock have popped up in this hot dog stand. They aren't restrained in any way. They aren't incapacitated. But because we see them pop up just from the shoulders up, we know that they are incapacitated and they're yeah. about to be unmasked. L- literally anything could be happening from the shoulders down. But what matters is shoulders up. That's all we can see. It's time to unmask you. Yeah. Uh, and, literally and anything unmasked... could be happening from the shoulders <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, but no, we're about to unmask you. Yeah. Uh, the Devil Hound is unmasked first, which mm. I thought was funny. Uh, and the Devil Hound is just a bloodhound. Yeah, and it's funny because we haven't seen any other dogs this episode, so there's no like, <gasps> it's like it's little Rufus. We don't know this dog at all. And I guess that's that's the thing about having sort of like an animal accomplice is when you have an animal accomplice, you then have to keep introducing new animals as red herrings yeah like you have to have a whole nother cast of a whole nother species of a cast in order to keep it like keep the audience wondering who it is and here they they got around that by just not introducing this dog before if if they had said like oh john the gatekeeper he roams the grounds with a bloodhound you'd be like oh it's john it has to be john the gatekeeper here they just they made it they made it a question by omitting it completely the demon hound is just a bloodhound the warlock is Nick, Nick the trainer. 
Nick who was grabbed by the by the demon hound earlier. Yeah, and, and we know it can't just be Nick, because the first scene was Nick and Jimmy running away from the warlock. And at that point, Jimmy had his normal glasses, so we can't attribute that to the glasses. Uh, what Velma does is she takes the glasses, she puts them over a video camera uh, yeah. that is just, I guess, sitting there, and she scans the audience. Yeah. She pops it in front of one of the news TV cameras, and she scans around, and, and she does find the warlock through the camera, through that lens. Uh, and here's the thing. Um, this is... It's so inconceivable. Like, it's so, like, obviously impossible. I guess within the logic of, like, the show and its audience, it makes perfect sense. Which is that... You, you want to just, like, tell our listeners? Well, what I thought it was, was that something was painted on the lens of, like, the glasses. I, I, did, as, I did as well. That's... Which, honestly, that's more realistic than what it turns out to be. I don't think that is more real. Well, because then you would see, like, a little, like, you look at the lens and it'd be, like, a tiny... I thought the same thing. But, yeah, you'd see, like, a tiny thing at all times. Like, Jimmy would have to be really close to brain dead to be, like, seeing him on the court. Now he's in the sky. Now he's on my tennis racket. He's just, like, stumbling all over, like... <laughs> crawling backwards crab walking it's not that and i thought maybe it's something like it's built into the glass like there's some shape that warps light it's right. not that at all it's special makeup that's invisible except when looked at through these glass lenses it's uh it's so it's bonkers it is bonkers that's a bonkers premise and and if it's makeup that means there's one specific person who's wearing this makeup who doesn't look like the warlock to anyone but the person wearing these glasses and he here, let me take that a step further. Mm -hmm. When when Jimmy looks out into the audience, he sees the warlock, and again, I think I said this when when I covered it in, in full, full warlock garb or garb. regalia, yeah. Which is to say that he needed, so he would have been sitting in the stands wearing warlock garb, but with his face made up to look like the warlock. Yeah, and there's an, there's a super blatant inconsistency there because when Velma identifies the warlock in the stands through the video camera, she says, get him! And and the security then shows up, then is like, oh, I guess we have a job to do. And they do stop that guy that's running away. And it's, it's John the gatekeeper with the goatee. And when he runs away, he's not wearing full warlock garb. He's wearing just like a gray jacket and a blue turtleneck sweater and slacks. But then they look at him through the glasses, and he's like the warlock, but I think just from the neck up. Just right? from the neck up. It doesn't do anything with the outfit. So he hasn't painted makeup all over the outfit. He apparently, at some point in the stands, was wearing full warlock garb, or it's just a straight-up contradiction. And uh, as we're getting this explanation, Scooby's messing with the special invisible makeup. He's just, like, tapping it on his face and, and, and doing a little, uh, just kind of making himself up with this invisible makeup. Can I just take this a step further and say that John John had given himself a fake beard and a fake beard that does not fully correspond to the goatee slash facial hair You're of right. the warlock. It's a different color and a different shape than the warlock's beard. Which is to say that he... So ostensibly, he put on this fake beard and then over the fake beard made himself up with this invisible makeup to look like the warlock. Wow. So the uh, beard does have makeup on it, too, <laughs> clearly. I'm just watching it now. Just uh, to unpack the mystery a little bit more, it turns out that Nick and John are... Uh, Anthos descendants. Yeah, descendants of Anthos. Are they brothers? They are brothers, I believe. Yeah. And here, here's the best part of the entire, I think, of the mystery for me, is Jimmy then wonders aloud, how did this staff keep following me? And Velma says, simple. There was more than one staff. <laughs> Which I kind of assumed from the first time they got the staff and they're like, well, let's just get rid of it. There's going to be multiple staffs. Like, 
Jimmy, uh, excuse me, Nick and John were just cranking these things out, and that was the ores that we saw in that underground area. They were making staffs out of ores. It's like, listen, bud, that's not a mystery. That's just how things work. Yeah, there's multiple of them. Here's my thought. They, there were multiple of these staffs, like tons of them, but they went through the trouble of putting LED lights in each one and making each of them able to emit smoke. Like, they really put in the effort on these staffs. I feel like they were, had a staff-making business on Etsy, and then they just decided they were going to do this mystery on top of that. Uh, so as descendants of Anthos, they really did just want to, like, screw over the Peltons and uh, take the mansion back. They wanted to get the mansion back for themselves, because they consider that their heritage. And they thought, if Jimmy loses the Wimbledon match, he'll lose the mansion, and they can then buy it. My question is, how can they just outright buy it? A trainer doesn't make more than the guy he's training, and a groundskeeper is not making cashola. Right. And it's not like the, the sort of thing where he's like, oh, I can no longer afford uh, to to pay the mortgage on this on this manor. I will not have to sell the manor to someone. He's not going to then sell the manor for, like, 500 bucks. Also, he doesn't own the manor. They, say, they mention that he has a mortgage on it, so the bank owns the manor. And the bank's not going to sell it to a trainer who just lost his job because the guy <laughs> he was training lost Wimbledon. It's there. Like a couple of villains that we've seen before, these guys didn't have their plan super well thought out. Now, the Anthos boys, uh, they had a lot. They had a decent takedown plan, but no no way to help themselves after. No follow-up. They could have been, like, as, as his manager slash coach, Nick could have been, like, slowly stealing his money. Yeah, absolutely. He really could have kind of rode Jimmy's rising star as far as he could have, made some good cash off of it, and then torpedoed Jimmy's career. You could, it even could have been the sort of thing where he, he trains Jimmy, and I, I don't know if people bet on Wimbledon. I assume some people have to. Oh, but bet against Jimmy. Right? And just like, he, you know, like everybody thinks that Jimmy's yeah. going to win, and he sabotages his own, his own player. You know, I think that explanation would have completely justified what... That would have made that would have completely close the gap to say, and I bet against Jimmy in Wimbledon, so I would have had enough money to buy the mansion myself. That's that would have explained it. And that's that's really it. Um, every episode has to end with Scooby doing a little gag. So yeah, like you said, Scooby do, does himself up with the invisible makeup. He looks in the mirror, and I expected it to be the warlock or the devil hound. Right. I think it's funny because he's looking in the mirror and he's kind of like, you know, preening and and in front of the mirror, sort of like, oh, I'm so handsome. I'm a handsome dog. Yeah, he doesn't uh, have the glasses on yet. But the makeup is invisible. So mm-hmm. it's like what is he yeah, like, what is he doing? Yeah, like he put on he deliberately put on this invisible makeup and we're like, oh, he's gonna try and do a gag where he becomes the the villain, the the hound or the warlock. But then he just starts looking in the mirror. Yeah, like he said, preening himself, really checking himself out. Uh Shaggy then gives him the glasses, like, check yourself out with these scoob, and then Scooby is terrified. And not terrified because he sees the devil hound or because he sees the warlock, but because he sees his own features shifting as if he's on acid. <laughs> yes! It's like, Scoob, how did you do that? Yeah, like, it's, this is super trippy. He just sees, like, these colors in his face, facial features crawling all over each other. It's so weird. You, yeah, the logical, the logical gag would have been, oh, now you're the devil hound. He then gives Shaggy the glasses, yeah. and then Shaggy gets scared. Yeah, that, that that gag is so ready at hand. And it's not like you can't animate the Devil Hound. You've done it several times in this episode. Yeah, just gra- you just use an old animation. It's, it's not, yeah, it's really not hard. Pasted it right on top. Yeah. Here's one thing. The Devil Hound was a bloodhound, and as soon as they pull the mask off, he looks just like a normal bloodhound, which is, like, sad and kind of low energy. 
But the devil hound was viciously barking and snapping at everybody. Like, he was ready to tear some people up. And the, the idea of a dog wearing a mask is ridiculous. Yeah, because the dog's mouth is so, like, distinct. Like, a human mouth, you just kind of can have a slit in the mask, and that'll kind of look okay if it's, like, the lips are well done. A dog, you'd have to have the mask go, like, around the mouth, like, in the mouth, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. It doesn't make sense. And, like, bloodhounds are, like, really jowly. So you would have had to, like, pin up the jowls. Yeah, you... So as not to have them, like, in the teeth. <laughs> the, really, the Nick and John were just brothers who liked making novelty staffs and dressing up their dog. And then they realized they could do something with that. Yeah, they could have worked for, like, a film production company. Like so many people, they had great talents that truly went to waste. Uh, like, for instance, John or Nick, whoever it was, can apparently hold their breath underwater for a long time. Just waiting for someone to throw a staff onto the, onto the surface of a pond. That was never... There's a couple things that were never explained. But it was, at the end of the day, a very, very enjoyable episode. Yeah, I, I kind of have to wrap things up, but is there anything else you wanted to, uh, to discuss? I... I also really liked it. I, I just want to mention that the police that ultimately show up are very British police. They have the kind of helmet-looking uh, uh, police caps with the chin strap. I, I and think the they're just called the helmets, but yes. Yeah. They are, they are helmet-looking, yeah, by, but, but by definition. They've got these really helmet-looking helmets, like real, real helmety helmets. And their, uh, their badges are very badgy. Real copy cops. Over in- <laughs> badgy. Much like, uh, much like Shaggy and Velma's ship name. Vaggy. Vaggy. We decided that was a hard G. Vaggy. Damn you. That's a reference to last episode, if we keep it in. Oh. Uh, such a delight. Please check out Mysteries, Mystery Incorporated. But this episode was just what I want out of a classic episode of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, the Scooby-Doo wasn't great. Yeah, the chase scene was a little lackluster. But the mystery was there. And how? Yeah, it was it was a complex mystery, and it it was a fun it was a fun road to get to yeah. the bottom of it. And man, sure. can Scooby take some stuff in his ears? <laughs> when when you ask Scooby to lend an ear, you're getting your money's worth. Just I hope he never come he never bumps into someone with an oral fixation, you know the a u r a l. That an oral fixation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's so rare where I'll I'll say something, and you will just have to react in silence. It's true that I I do that to you way more. Like, it's it's not a common occurrence. It doesn't go the other way. Um, That's the episode. Thank you for joining us, listeners. We're going to have our outro for you here in a sec, but uh, a great episode. That's it. Well, join us again next week for another thriller. Yeah, and our outro will sort of tell you what's going on next week. Um, So please, stick around for that. And that's it. Thank you. That's Game, Set, Match, Warlock of Wimbledon, The Champion is Decided. It's all of us, because that was a fun episode, huh, Evan? You know, I never realized this, but you really do say Wimbledon, huh? I really do say Wimbledon. I should say Wimbledon, I guess. That is very embarrassing for you. <laughs> I, I can be embarrassed on my own, thank you. <laughs> I don't need you telling me to be embarrassed. No, let me join you. You're not joining me. You're pushing me down that road <laughs> myself. Let's be embarrassed for you together. No, that's not that's not nice. Uh, that was uh, that was another episode of Scooby Dudes. I'm embarrassed for how I pronounce stuff, but uh, but we had a lot of fun. We 
would like to thank you for listening. We would also like to thank um, donors. Mm, donors. If you donated blood this last week, we thank you because you're making all of our society healthier and safer. Evan's giving me a look like I've not hit the nail on the head. Organ donors. If you're an organ donor, if you've got that little mark on your license, thank you. Because people need your organs. There's no reason not to do it. Unless you have a religious concern, we respect that. Oh, do oh you mean... You mean donors to our Patreon page. I do mean that, yes. Those are very special donors. If, you're, if you don't know what we mean, if you're not one of our Patreon donors, let's tell you a little bit about this. You can give us a certain amount of money every month, and as a result, mm -hmm. you will get access to a bunch of like cool features or whatever. I, I tend to update a minimum of twice a week. I'll throw you a little bit of like bonus audio at the cut, some art. You know, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, and we've got we've got a storage closet of stuff that you get right off the bat. As soon as you donate, you get a couple of sweet things, even hard goods, hard uh, special content just for you. And like Evan said, regular audio visual content that we give you in addition to our normal podcast. And uh, and just to run down, you know, find us find us on the web. Well, well, we should shout out our existing donors. <laughs> no, just I. Well, Evan, not, I. I know we've shouted these guys out specifically by name before when they first donate, but we should do something above what other podcasts do. Are you serious? We're gonna we're gonna do this again? Yeah, we should shout them out every single but week. We did it. We did it last week. Uh, I I feel like every week they donate. These are recurring donations. Every week they deserve a shout out. You know what? If you say so, man. Yeah. You know what? You've, I do. You really you really uh, twisted my arm. Let's let's let's, let's give them more. Here is another weekly shout out of all our beloved patrons. Yeah. And Evan, I think you were going to say thank you to our donors. Evan, I think you were going to say where else they can find us online. Uh, no, now we're going to end the episode. Okay, <laughs> now I feel like you're being antagonistic. Now I've upset you and you're being petty. I don't like the way you're, you've been running uh, this. You're, you're being really tyrannical. Is, right you're now. like Julia Roberts in that film, Petty Woman, <laughs> and I'd ask you to stop. You're, you're, you're ruling this outro with an iron fist, and I can't say I appreciate it. Oh, that's just because you didn't like that TV series. I'm going to ask that you be more open-minded. A lot of whitewashing going on in this outro right now. Okay, well, now you're ruling this podcast with a daredevil. I'm really glad you said daredevil and not yellow fist. <laughs> oh, which God. I, I, I half expected. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was thinking of saying you're ruling this with a Jessica Jones. <laughs> Uh, yeah, find us on Facebook. Facebook.com, Scooby Dudes, that's an easy search. Follow us on Twitter. We are at The Scooby Dudes, the one and only The Scooby Dudes. Uh, go to our website, that's just ScoobyDudes.com. You will see all of the mm. beautiful title cards that we have. Our last title card illustrated by the extremely talented Trisha Ocock. You'll see that. We should be shouting, we should have been shouting out Trisha every single week, but please you know, check out Trisha's title card this week and, and their past couple of weeks have been amazing, amazing art. Uh, this week is no exception to that rule. And, uh, and I'm so glad you brought up our website because we have amazing content on our website and show notes and corrections. Evan puts a lot of great effort into uh, writing additional content for these episodes. Last episode, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, I like, you like to call them embarrassing flub-ups. Last week was my week. Hopefully this week we'll share the burden a little more evenly. I, I assume you're going to do a correction for every time I said Wimbledon with, uh, with like gonna, a time mark, a time man, stamp. I am really going to be paying close attention. I'm also going to timestamp all of the show notes. Uh, it's, it's been on my to-do for a little while. It's uh, Please, just uh, scoobydudes.com. Check it out. I think that's just about everything. Facebook, yeah. Twitter, scoobydudes.com, Patreon, 
And, uh, and if you need to email us directly, we're scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. We are happy to, to get your correspondence. We'll get you a message back. We do that. Thank you so much. This has been Scooby Dudes. <laughs> I feel like if I criticize you, I'm opening myself up now. So. <laughs> yeah, Scooby Dudes. You're making it hard to say I love you, Evan, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I do still love you. <laughs> no! It's, we're, we're tied right now because this is love. Take away your love! <laughs> Scooby Dudes, cover your love. Join us next week. Uh, and next week for, for a special yeah yeah for a special Q and A episode. We this whole week leading up to uh, our recording this outro, uh, we have been getting questions from Twitter, from Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, and next week tune in and we will be answering those questions. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. You'll get to know the real Scooby Dudes a little bit. And if you uh, regret missing out on the opportunity this time. We will be doing this every four to six episodes, so you will have another chance. To, to ask some Qs and get some As from the Scooby Dudes, that's really our episode. We should wrap it up so you have time to listen to the next episode. I'm assuming that's what people do whenever they finish an episode of us. Yeah, binge, binging. Is, it's really hot right now. That's how people consume content. I love you, Evan. Evan, let me brush your cheek with, with my fingers. I love you. I, I heard you click as if you stopped recording. I don't care. <laughs> this I'm, is how you want to end this episode, huh? This I, episode of Scooby Doots. I still love you. I still love you, Evan. Mm-hmm.